gets you something from the Lord here I am Lord just to worship you just to open my heart and say welcome Lord Jesus amen it's so good to be in his house again isn't it amen amen thank you musicians that's all the singing will do and I I so appreciate the, the song service tonight and God bless you brother John and everybody for that special what a presence of the Lord that's here isn't God good? Isn't God good? Isn't God good? Amen. Trust you've had a good week. I've had a great week because the devil's been fighting me. So I've had a great week. So you know, the more he fights, the greater the victory. So that's okay. That's his job. I got a job too. You got a job too. It's called overcoming. Amen. We got to go in a rapture someday. Say, well, I don't know if I can attain to that. Well, that's by election. You'll be there. Just keep that attitude. Lord, I'm here for you. Help me to be humble. Help me to be sincere in everything that I do and everything that I'd say. And Amen. Amen. Shouldn't they appreciate Brother Tony's song leading? I don't see where he went, but isn't he a good singer? Isn't he a good singer, Sister Katie? Yeah, he's great. Amen. Amen. That's good. Amen. Forgive me, I'm just a little nervous, but this is the last youth service for, for till the September, Lord willing. That's going to be at the church. We're still going to have some youth meetings. We've got some brothers that are planning some things. But John mentioned if you have any ideas, something you'd like to do this summer, let him know. We've got a few things planned, but... Maybe somebody has a thought that would just add into that and it would make it that much better and that much more special for everyone. So we will be letting everybody know as soon as we know when exactly and how exactly and what exactly is happening. And, uh, but we haven't forgotten about you, neither will we. Amen, because you were a part of one another. And, uh, but uh, I want to also announce that there will be a book packing on July the 9th. And that is a book packing here at the church at 7 p.m. on Friday, July the 9th. And by the looks of things, we'll be back open up by then. So it'll be an open book packing for everyone that would like to come and help out and pack books and send them off to the believers in need of them. And it's a wonderful blessing to be a part of that. To be able to have a little part to say, I, was, I had a part to play and somebody getting a message book in their hands and being able to read the word. And I think that's a wonderful thing for young people to do. And, and uh, I've uh, really been, been studying a lot. Forgive me, I know I have you standing, but just meditating on how to stay focused through the summer. 
You know, where we might be stopping the, 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 at the service, at, at the church youth meetings, but how do you stay focused through the summer, and what can you focus on? And, you know, we'll be doing what we can. As I said, we'll be organizing some things, and there was a service that was passed along to, to several people. Brother, um, I better pull it up, otherwise I'll pronounce his name wrong. There it is. Brother Joe, Brother Joe Harrah, H-A-R-R-A-H, from uh, Brother Donnie Reagan's Assembly in Happy Valley, preaches a service called, Would Jesus Be Comfortable in Your Skin? If you want to take a little further into, remember Brother John preached a service. How many remember the service Brother John preached on, When Jesus Comes Into Your Room? Amen. Amen. It was a wonderful time. But if you want to take that another step farther, Brother Joe preaches a service, and it just brings it right down home for you, and, and it's... Uh, He's just a real humble brother, and it, it was a blessing to me, and I trust it'd be a blessing to you. And uh, I want to, if you can have your seats for just a moment, actually, that way you have the ability to pick up a pen and write. And uh, I'm just trying to get, as Brother Harold would say, my butterflies go in the right direction. I don't know why. I'm, I'm a bit nervous tonight. It's been a long time since I preached a youth service, I guess, but... I let these brothers, Brother Max and Brother John, they do such a wonderful job. I sure love their preaching. I do love that I get to sit there with you and listen <laughs> and not have to stand up here. But I love it when they preach, and it just feeds my heart, and I trust it does for you as well. But just so I've been thinking on these services and how can we help you. And I want you to write these three messages down. If you have a pen and paper, just three messages, I, I, I would like you, if you could, it would just be a, such a help in your Christian walk. And uh, these are deeper messages, but it would give you help build up and reinforce a solid foundation in your Christian walk with the Lord. And so I'd like you just to write these down, and maybe you can listen to these. Don't just listen to them and just say, well, I heard it, but pick up a message book and read them. Amen. And, and put, get a highlighter and, and, and highlight what talks to you and make some notes in a notebook. I know most of you do that. And the first one is very familiar to all of us, and that's Christ is the mystery of God revealed. That's in 1963 in uh, the seventh month, the 28th day. It would be July the 28th. And he preaches that service. The next one would be the unveiling of God, 1964, in June 14th. And then about a week later, he preaches the mighty God unveiled in a different location. It's almost the same service, but I want you to listen to both of them because they, he takes it a little bit different direction. And really what he's preaching in these three services, it will help you understand what the seventh seal is. Jesus Christ revealed to you. And uh, so if you want something to do this summer, you think, well, I want to be in the Word more, take these three services, study them, read them, highlight them. They will help you immensely. Amen. Amen. I was just thinking about the, the services that were ministered. Brother John, he texted me today and said, I think there's what, been 19, 19 youth services this year. 19 of them. That includes this one, doesn't it? Yeah. I thought, and I, I, I went back and through the podcast and got all the titles. How many remember all the titles that were there? No, nobody does. I didn't either. <laughs> 
But I want, if we could, I, I just I put them together, maybe it'd be a little bit different, but as I was reading through them, and, and it just began to strike me as, because it's always amazing to me how God does things. You know, God will run a string through something that you don't, you don't see coming until it's all over, and you realize that was all connected, and God was all bringing it together, and God was moving in a certain direction. So I want, if we could, I know I had you sit, but let's stand together, and I'm just going to get you each one I'm going to say this as a prayer. I'm just going to use the service titles, and I'm going to say it as a prayer to you because it just it struck me in this way, and it's starting from the beginning right through to the end. But I started out with a service called Our Loving Heavenly Father. That's how Jesus teaches us to pray. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. So it struck me that way of our loving Heavenly Father, We've given you the final acre of our hearts as a rededication to fight this battle that we all face. You've troubled the waters, and we've been stepping into it. May your banner of love drive away every spirit, every evil spirit that would desire to entice me tonight. Shalom, my peace. May the worship of my life be a weapon that would help drive away the enemy that would desire to take your sheep. That you could shepherd me in your fold and let me hear your voice again. Show me again that you have not forgotten me. These are service titles that you sat in and, and listened to. This isn't to raise up a man. I just, it just struck me as they all went together. Let me hear your voice again. Show me again that you have not forgotten me. It is your word that has caused these dry bones to live by the revival fires that have been lit in my heart. We have come to the well tonight again to meet the Son of Man, to take the book out of the hand of the mighty angel and to eat the book, that I too could be a reflection of you. I welcome into every room of my heart, I welcome you as you pass by this way again, that I may know that you have sent me. And now this is our title tonight. So help me be faithful in the storms I'll face this summer, that your purpose according to election might stand in me. In Jesus' name, amen. I don't want to say that's my prayer for you this summer. As we preach those services to you, and I just put them together so you could see, that's for you. That you could stand in a time when it's, they, they want, Jason Kenny put out his, his, his thing that said, we're going to have the best summer ever. I'm scared to think what the world considers the best summer ever. Well, at least this is way too loud up here, by the way. But uh, I, I'm more interested in what God considers. Let it be the best summer ever. Because in my opinion, the best summer ever would be I'm going up yonder. I'm going up to, up to heaven. If anybody asks you where I'm going, I'm not going to be here anymore. You want the best summer? It's going to be in the presence of Jesus Christ. And the best way to do that is to spend your time in the Word. Spend your time reading. Spend your time praying. Don't just all the time get together. We'll, we'll help you get together. But more than that, be with Jesus. Say, Lord, welcome into my heart. I don't want to wait till September to say, well, another year. Then we'll have young peoples again. No, I want Jesus every day. Amen. 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 We want him every day, don't we? Amen.
Let's take our Bibles now and turn to the book of Matthew. Matthew chapter 24. Matthew chapter 24 and verse 42. It says, Watch therefore, for you know not what hour your Lord doth come. But know this, that if the goodman of the house had known in what watch the thief would come, he would have watched and would not have suffered his house to be broken up. You know, I'll just share this. I had, I had a dream last night. It was kind of a strange dream as I was waking up and didn't get a lot of sleep, but that we'd moved into the city. Forgive me, it's just a silly dream, but we moved into the city and I'd left my truck running. And I come back in and I went back out and it was gone. In its place, I could see the taillights driving down. In its place was this old beater car that somebody had left there and decided to trade up for my work truck. And the words that came out of my mouth was, if I'd just known, I wouldn't have left it running. And then this scripture came back to me. It was already in my notes yesterday as I was preparing for the service. But this scripture came back to me. If they would have known, if the watchman would have known, he would have watched. Anybody that could say, had I known I would have been broken, I would have set the alarm. I would have made sure everything was locked up. I would have stayed awake. I would have done this. But he says, you don't know the hour. He comes in an hour when you think not, but be ready. And the next verse says, therefore be ye also ready, for in such an hour you think not the Son of Man cometh. Who then is a faithful and wise servant? whom his Lord hath made ruler over his household to give them meat in due season. Blessed is that servant whom his Lord, when he cometh, shall find so doing. Verily I say unto you that he shall make him ruler over all of his goods. Amen. Let's just bow our heads together. Gracious Heavenly Father, Truly, Lord, we love you. We love to think how you work all things together for good to them that love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. You've been so good to us, Lord, and you've blessed us with many great times in your presence, Lord. But I want to pray tonight just once more, Lord. I pray you'd help me just get myself aside now and just look to you, Lord. Father, what would you have to say tonight, Lord? For truly, Lord, we, what I could say would just fail and it wouldn't help anyone. But Lord Jesus, if you could come and speak, it's of eternal value, Lord. So we just commit the service to you and we ask, Lord, that you would have the preeminence. Take my own thinking, just lay it aside. Lord Jesus, we put it all in your hands now. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Amen. May the Lord have blessing to the reading of the word. You may have your comfortable seats. Amen. Amen. It's been so good to be back in church, to be back in the Sunday services with everybody, to be back in the Wednesday service with everyone that could come and 
You know, it's, it's such a time that we live in that, you know, it's, it's made it so easy on us just to stream. Hasn't it? It's become easy to just roll over out of bed and put on some nice clothes an hour after you usually would just to go to the couch. Sit down in a nice comfortable couch and maybe put your feet up on the coffee table. Maybe you've still got your coffee in your hands or your tea or your chocolate milk. I don't know what you like. But whatever it is that you just want to sit there, relax and enjoy the service. And that, that, that's mighty fine, and it's become that way where it's so easy. But I want to say that, that he comes in an hour when you think not. He comes in a way that you think not. The scripture would record that says, you know, that two would be in the field working. One would be taken, the other one left. Two would be in the bed. One would be taken, the other one left. That poor one left when it wakes up in the morning. Just maybe they're gone already. Maybe they're just in the bathroom. Maybe they're just out getting breakfast already and then get out of bed and realize they're not there. Maybe they left with their vehicle still in the driveway. Their keys are still on there. The clothes they picked out to wear today are still sitting on the dresser. That's a sobering thought, isn't it? We're just going to go with the leading of the Lord tonight. Because he comes in an hour when you don't think. Two would be grinding, one would be taken out the mill, and they would be making meal, one taken and the other left. It's one thing to be awake, to watch something happen so suddenly. It's another thing to be caught asleep. It's another thing to not know the, the time, to not know how long ago it was, to not know should I have been repenting, Lord, should I have been praying, what should I have been doing, how, what should I be doing when the rapture happens, what should I be doing? He says, who then is the faithful and wise servant whom his Lord hath made ruler over his household to give meat in due season? Blessed is that servant. The one that's faithful. It's not about the one that he's just, he's just, he's always awake and he's nervous and he's anxious. But the one that's faithful. So I want to take this for a moment. What is faithfulness? Because we often look at faithfulness and we say, well, to be faithful is, you know, we're faithful to come to church. If I'm faithful to come to church, I'm there every service. Right? We'd say that would be faithfulness. And that would be true, but that's merely a part of what it means to be faithful. It's merely a very small portion, to be honest, of what the, what the word faithful means. Some of the definitions of faithful is to be firm in adherence to the truth. To firmly adhering to duty. To be constant in the performance of duties. To be observant. To be true. To be exact in conformity to the letter and spirit. As a faithful execution of a will. I find that to be an amazing definition. That as a, as a will goes forth, if there's a will that's done in order to be faithful to that, when somebody dies and they pass away and they have a will and they begin to say, the will says this, and, and, and he's looking for an attorney that is faithful to perform exactly what the will said do. Right. You don't leave it to just anybody. You've had that cousin in your life that pops in at the right time and leaves at the wrong time. And you say, yeah, that's a good guy. I think I'd like him to, to, to be the attorney of my will. No, I don't think you'd want that kind of a person. 
that's flaky and they're always going. You look for someone that's faithful, someone that's going to do a good job, that you know that when you leave them your final wishes of what you would like done with all of your estate, that you know that they're going to do a good job, that they're going to read through it and they're going to be faithful that so-and-so gets this and so-and-so gets such and such and this person's going to end up with that and they're not going to leave anything out, but they're going to make sure that it's fulfilled to the, to the perfection of it. But there's another will that we have and we know it's called the will of our Heavenly Father. That He has a will, He has a purpose, that He has a desire and a design that it would be performed in a certain way. And that God has a purpose according to election that he elected an individual to perform a certain purpose. Are you with me? To perform something that he called you. He didn't just call you just to have you sit in a pew. He called you because you're in a pew for a reason. So that you can be perfecting by the ministry of the word of God. So that you can pull on the word. So you can be interactive in the services. So that you can be involved in the word. So that you can learn. So that you can get full of the Holy Ghost. So that you can be a part of the bride of Christ. There's a purpose to everything. There's a season to everything that God knows exactly what he's doing and it is God's design that he would have a bride. We didn't call ourselves, no man cometh to me, Jesus says, except the Father draws him first. It's by predestination. God, we don't choose ourselves and say, well, I was born in this kind of a family. Yeah, there's been plenty of people that have been born to message parents and have walked away. As sad as that is to say, it's true. That's not the purpose of God. The purpose of God is so that you could be saved, so that you could get a hold of the truth, so that you could be changed from that first nature that you once were, changed from that evil nature that was had a serpent nature that could be changed to a godly nature. He has a purpose in that, but it's not just so you could be a, a clone. So you could be like everybody else and say, well, you know, so-and-so's overcome this way, so I'm going to have to overcome that way. You know, we're not looking for as ministry as the deacons and things as we, we go about our duties. You know, we're not looking to see, well, are the young people a good group of clones? That they're all doing everything just exactly. They're all meeting the requirements. So-and-so's reached justification. So-and-so's reached sanctification. So-and-so, they're almost at the baptism. Oh, so-and-so's reached the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Oh, praise the Lord. We're getting so much closer and they're just a, a certain step to follow. We're not looking for that. We're looking for the will of God in your life. We're looking to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit to say, Lord, what does Brother Max need today? What does Brother Isaac need today? What does Sister Kezia need? What does Sister Faith need? Because we care. We want to know what God has for a purpose in your life. Because it's an individual purpose. It's something that God called you to do. Like Moses when Moses was born, a goodly child. His parents knew that he was called for a purpose. That he was born for a purpose. They knew he was to be the deliverer. Brother Brennan would tell the story about how Moses was born. Oh my, maybe we'll just go down this road. Moses would tell the story. Moses would tell the story. I'm sure he did too. Brother Brennan would tell the story. 
We would pick it up in Exodus chapter 2 if we wanted to. Maybe you just put verse 1 up on the screen. But we know in, in, in chapter 1 of Exodus, it talks about there arose a king of Egypt who didn't know Joseph. Something happened where there arose somebody who didn't know what God had blessed. Who didn't realize what God had saved them from. Who didn't remember the trials of the past. It didn't remember that there was a God sent man. And he had descendants and there was these people that were uh, uh, descendants from the man that God had used. He didn't realize that. He forgot all those things and thought, I got one thing in mind. It's right now. It's today, and today I need more taxes. Today I need more money. Today I need more security. Today I need to know that the world's going to last another billion years. It's kind of updating it to today. The leaders of today have forgotten that there was a messenger by the name of William Branham. That came and preached that there is a weapon more powerful than any other weapon. And it's called prayer. That if we would just turn to God, it would get rid of all the sin. If we would just turn and call a national repentance, they've forgotten. That in all the sickness that's going on in the world, there was a man that God used that they could bring person after person after person. And God would heal them one after another after another after another. To where even doctors would tell them, I can't do what you could do, Brother Branham. But they've forgotten all of that, and instead they've turned to their own devices. And now in their great devices, they said, we need more more inclusiveness. We need more equality. We need to make sure the world's going to last for our children's 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 children. You see what I'm getting at? How they've gone down that same road, forgetting the God that brought them here in the first place. Forgetting that a nation was founded in America on religious principles, on freedom of religion. Forgetting that we are her sister country, that we are not looking to be bound up in some kind of a regime, but rather we're looking to God. Amen. And because of it, they want to take away rights in the name of giving rights. I'm just preaching the way it is. This is the last last young people search before the summer. And it's something I need to get off of my heart to you to help you understand. You're living in the most wicked age that has ever existed on the face of this earth. The only one that compares to it even close as it was in the days of Noah. They ate, they drank, they were given in marriage. They didn't care about God anymore. One man, Enoch, went up, and eight more went through a flood. Nine people out of all those that were there. What a wicked age. How many is there today? Out of the billions upon billions he comes in an hour that you don't know. Well, here we find in this days of Moses, in the days of Moses, they got into such a place where the rights of the people were taken away. In the name of rights. 
Because the king, he had a right. He wanted his people that agreed with his regime, that he wanted them to have a certain quality of life. But they needed certain people as slaves. Are you with me? They needed a certain people to enslave them and make them do their will against their will. And to bring them into bondage because he was worried if they got too powerful, they might raise up and revolt. They're getting too strong. And we find in chapter 1, he went and he commanded all the midwives, the Hebrew midwives. He said, when you're helping the, the Hebrew mothers give birth, if they give birth to a, woman, to a man child, just kill it. If they, if they give birth to a, a, a woman child or a daughter, just let it live. That's fine because it'll just kill off a generation or so. But we find that the midwives, they feared God. He went to the wrong people. Amen. There's a bit of a grace period in there where God had grace because there was somebody that stood in the gap called the midwife who said, I'm not going to do that. But pretty soon the king got wise to it. And we know the scripture record the midwives were blessed and God gave them households as well. In other words, God gave them families as well and a husband and things because they were blessed because they feared God. But now as we pick it up in chapter 2, right after in the end of chapter 1, he finally commands them, the king, uh, the Pharaoh commands all of the people saying, if there be any man child born, just kill it. What a horrible, horrible thing. But we know Brother Branham would talk about it and he would talk about how he commanded those witches. The ones that didn't know motherhood. The ones that didn't know what it was to have a mother's love. He talks about them with their long noses and their long fingernails. And how he said, just he got them in there and he gave them a badge and made them the police. Gave them an authority and said, you can go out there and you kill every man child that's born among the Hebrews. Oh my. Is that not graphic enough? I'll graphic it up as what Brother Branham said. He said, you take them by the feet and you swing them and smash their heads against the wall. Those are the words of Brother Branham. He's describing it. Brother Branham's actually preaching that and teaching on Moses to little children sitting in the front. <laughs> A prophet of God. And he begins to talk about it. Say, listen, what's he typing it to? The devil doesn't have compassion. He doesn't care who you are or what it looks like. He's interested in taking that seed that God put in you and smashing it up against the wall at all costs. And there went a man of the house of Levi and took a wife of the daughter of a daughter of Levi. And the woman conceived and bare a son. We know that it was Amran and Jochebed. Joshua, Jochebed, and she and the woman conceived and bare a son. And when she saw him, that he was a goodly child. Brother Branham says he was the cutest, the most beautiful child that was ever born. And one place says, I'm sorry if you think otherwise, but he said, that's what the Bible says. So I'll take the words of the prophet. I mean, Landon was really cute when he was born. I'm going to be honest with you. He was really cute, but I'm going to have to agree with the prophet. Say, all right, I didn't see Moses when he was a baby, so we'll just go with that. He was a goodly child. And she hit him three months. Could you imagine? Brother Jeff, you're up there. Could you imagine Elliot being born? And you can't tell nobody. you got to hide him for three months. You've just had your firstborn son. This is exciting. To them, it was their third child. And they had, they had uh, uh, Miriam, and they had Aaron, and now they've got Moses. 
that it wasn't called Moses yet because we know it was the princess that called him Moses. But we find they had to hide him. They couldn't even show him off to their friends. They couldn't even announce it at the church. They had to hide him because they knew that there were some witches that were ready to kill him as soon as they caught wind. And when she could not longer hide him, she took him in an ark of bulrushes. Oh, my. I want you to think of this as we'll just, I'm just going to dramatize this for you a little bit because it's a powerful story. Is this okay? And we'll, see, we'll see how it all ties back into being faithful. But here's a man by the name of Amram, and we know that before Moses was born, Brother Branham would dramatize it and say, there was some desperation that began to kick in. There was something that began to happen because, you know, Amram would go out to work and he was just a slave and he'd get out there. My, maybe they start taking away the things slowly. And as laws begin to happen, you see, maybe he was out there with the bricklayers and he's out there laying bricks and he's doing what he can do. And he comes back home and says, honey, they cut our wages again. Yeah. And then he comes home a week later and says, honey, they cut our wages again. I don't know how we're going to make ends meet. And Joshua just said, well, honey, we're just going to make ends meet. The Lord will be our provider. We'll just keep trusting in him. But Amram goes out again and finally he comes back after a month and he says, listen, there's, there's taskmasters now. They started whipping us. I went back to the salary booth to get my salary and there was nobody there. It was locked up. There were soldiers there. I said, what are you looking for? You're a slave now. We got you. You're not even strong enough now. Oh, my. They just take it away bit by bit by bit by bit till they finally got you to such a weak point where you just go, okay. Amram comes home and my, he starts to pray and, oh, well, Lord, you know, maybe you could do something that should be nice. You know, I, I don't know how we're going to do this. They're just giving us little handouts for meal tickets and we're totally reliant on the government now. I'm not too sure what to do. And when Abraham got to that place, and then finally he goes to work, and he fails the taste of the whip. You're not working hard enough. You're only carrying eight bricks. You should have nine. That's the regulation today. <laughs> Here's the whip. Oh, my. So he'd go back home with that, and he finally, he'd come back home one day, and he said, honey, I don't know what to tell you. I just read it. It was posted today, the law. I went on there, and there it was right there on Fox News. Where I found out they're going to kill every male son that's born to us. We can keep the ones we have, but if we have any more children, that's it. I don't know what to say. How are we going to keep going on? Lord, what are we going to do? Think about little sister. Sister Susan down there, she's pregnant right now. What happens if it's a son? Lord, have mercy. Desperation began to kick in a little bit. And he began to get desperate. And then one day, he was walking on there down to work. And there were some old witches banging on a house saying, Hey, you got a baby in there. Let us in. And Amram just stops over by the corner and says, What's going on here? Finally, they break open the door and they come inside and they take that little baby boy and they come back out by the feet and they smash him up against, they run him down the river, they throw him in the river. A crocodile, don't even hit it with a splash, jump up and take it. And Amram's shocked. 
oh God, how can these things be? How can these things be? And that night he began to say, I'm going up to pray like I've never prayed before. That's the way to pray, isn't it? Pray like you've never prayed before. Really get to business. I tell you, young people, when we get serious with God, when we get serious enough that we're sick and tired, as Brother Max put it, we're sick and tired of being sick and tired of being sick and tired. Lord, help us that we can be sick and tired of what's going on in the world enough that we get desperate enough to say, I'm ready to pray like I've never prayed before. It was such a confirmation to me on Wednesday night because Tuesday night we had a prayer meeting. And I got up and said before the brothers, I said, we know in whom we have believed. We know who we pray to. We know he answers our prayer. We got down and prayed. Brother Ed wasn't there for those comments. He walked in after. He sat down on Wednesday night. He made the comment. He said, when they begin to come before God with a confidence like they knew who they were talking to. I thought, oh, oh. That's exactly what we were doing. That's exactly the affirmation I had. That's exactly what it was. Time to pray like we've never prayed before. Brother Andrew, we need more church services. That'd be nice. But what we need is more prayer. What we need is more time on our knees spent with God. As young people, do we give him the best? Or do we always come when we're tired at night? Do we always wake up in the morning? We only got 15 minutes and we got to get breakfast too in that 15 minutes. We probably should drink something, use the bathroom, get a shower too. So that brings me down to about 30 seconds to pray. You with me? Do we give them the best? Say, God, I want to wake up early. I want to try and find some quiet place at lunchtime when I'm wide awake and I've had a good lunch instead of sticking around with the guys and joking. Let me just go sit in my vehicle and say, Lord God, how long, Lord? This is not how I expected this to go, so we're here. It's time to get serious with God. Stop playing around. Stop saying, well, we had a wonderful time Friday night in church, but then we go out Friday night, Saturday, and we're busy joking around. Lord, help us. He says, it's time to pray like you never prayed before. Really get to business. See, it's just up and say, don't just get up and say, oh, Lord, bless so-and-so and so-and-so and so-and-so and remember so-and-so. God, don't, don't take much interest in that. I'm reading a quote. God, don't take much interest in that. He said, but when you really get down to business, when you boys and girls get down to business, do you do that in school? We ask you. The Rams asking the children in front of them, let me ask you, do you ask God for help in school? Do you ask God for help at work? I trust you, dear. Do you pray? How many of you just have a little place that you like to just slip out and pray? I do. How many of you have a little place that you like to just slip aside and say, Lord, this is my place with you. Nobody else knows about this. This is my little corner. Maybe it's in your bedroom. Maybe it's somewhere else. 
But I encourage you, as Brother Prophet encouraged the people, saying, get a little place like that. Some place where you know, I don't do anything else here. I don't come here to play my iPad. I don't come here to play my video games. I don't come here to talk on the phone because it's quiet here. I come here to pray. This is a place here that I've dedicated. It's for the Lord. My place is my office. Lord, help me to keep it that way. That's a room of prayer. My office also happens to be my guest room. I don't know what my guests do in that room, but I can tell you what, I hope they're blessed by my prayers that happen over that bed. I've got a few people that have said, that's the best sleep I've ever had in that bed. I just said, thank you, Lord. Because I'm going to be honest with you, I used to sleep in that bed, and it's awful. (laughs) So I don't think it's the bed. But little lamb ram, upstairs he goes. He come home that night after witnessing such a horrible thing. Upstairs he goes. He didn't want no supper. It's too bad, my. Little Joshua said, oh, you got to eat supper, honey. You need to eat some supper. I just can't do it, he said. I just can't eat it. I can't. I don't know why, honey. You're a great cook, but I just can't eat it. I'm just not hungry right now. Is it the heat? Is why, why, why can't you do it? I don't know. I just can't. I don't know what to do. She says, oh, when you're just pale. She says, oh, but, but honey, you've lost so much weight. You're losing weight. You're pale in the face. You're vomiting your food out and things. Why can't you take it? What's going on in your life? He says, there's something inside of me. Oh, I don't know what to do, said dear. Amram said, if somebody don't take the people to heart, if somebody don't pray for the people, what will we do? We're getting worse. Surely sometime God will hear, think about it. What's he saying? Amram's witnessing something. He's saying that the world has gotten so bad, but we need to pray because it's creeped into the church. It's creeped in to where the people that are supposed to be Hebrews, they're supposed to be believers, they're starting to do the things that the world does. They're starting to accept. They're starting to be a part of their movements. We need to pray like we never prayed before. Oh yeah, that's right. Surely God will hear when you get down to business and stay there. Abraham says, well, this time he goes upstairs, it was different. He'd gone upstairs before. He'd gotten down. He'd prayed before. He'd said things before. But this time was different. This time he got on his knees. He put his hands up in the air. He began to holler out. Oh, God, I'm speaking to you now. God, I've had my fill. God, you got ears. You could hear me. You ever thought that way? God, you got eyes. I know you can see what's going on. God, you got feet. I know you can walk. I know you can help. I know you can run to me. I know you can be a present help in a time of trouble. I know you can fulfill all my needs. God, I'm talking to you. I need you, Lord. 
Amram began to get desperate in his heart and smote his breast to say, oh God, the things that I've seen, I can't unsee them. The things that I've witnessed, I can't unwitness them. They're right there in my phone. I picked it up. Oh God, it was videos. It was things. I wish I could pull them out of my mind and forget about them. I wish I could take those images I've seen and just flush them away and never have to think about it again. But God, I'm calling on your name. Help me, Lord. When you come that way, God will hear you. I plead with you, God. Look down here. You're the God of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. We can say today, you're the God of William Branham. Oh my, you're the God of Perry Green. You're the God of Ed Biscoe. You're the God of these men of God. And you're the same yesterday, today, and forever. God is still a deliverer. He's still a healer. He's still a savior. He's still an overcomer, which makes you more than an overcomer. There is no reason for us to be crushed down. Oh my, we just got to have you, Lord, or we'll perish. We must have you. We just got to if we live. Oh, when it gets to that place, young person, you'll really get a hold of God. When you can get to that place where you recognize without you, Lord, tomorrow isn't worth it. Without you, Lord, it's not worth going to bed. It's not worth waking up in the morning. It's not worth my job if you're not willing to come with me. Oh, my, his little old frail body lost a lot of weight up them creaky steps. He began to cry out again. Oh, my, it wasn't one time. He cried out that time and he knew God heard him, but he still went back out the next day and he witnessed it all over again. Oh my, how often we think of that as young people. We get that kind of an idea. We look to brothers who have gone on before. We say, it looks like they're just an overcomer and they're just so faithful and they're just so full of God. How can anything possibly go wrong in their life? You look at someone like Brother Ron Spencer, you say, he's got stage four cancer, brain cancer, lung fluid, all these things, but he's up here preaching twice on the weekend. Say, oh my, he must just be floating on clouds. No, sir. He had to get on his knees and pray just like you. He had to get in and pray through to God just like you do. Oh, my, and he come back that night. He's losing more weight. He can hardly eat anything. His old frame is all beat up from the taskmasters. He's had enough down there. It seems like he just can't go another day, but he makes it up those stairs one more time. Falls on his knees, oh, Jehovah. Jehovah, you're a real God. I know you care. We believe you keep your word. Look at those heathens out there, heathens out there. They're taking us for cheap labor, building great big roads and idols and everything. You, Jehovah, would you sit in heaven and let the heathens rule over you? You got to mean business with God. You want to see God come on the scene for you? You got to mean business with God. You got to stop for a moment and say, Lord Jesus, you know what's happening. All of these heathens out there that would desire to make me their product. To mold my mind in their image. Lord, will you stand by as they continue?
continue on with this. Give me strength, Lord, to overcome. Give me the power I need to say no, to say stop this thing. Because I know it's an addiction. Let me explain the science of addiction to you in a real short way. It's just like water. If I take water and I want to shoot it up over up there to Brother Jeffrey, it takes a lot of force to get there. But if I all of a sudden go up there and I just put a little slide and just let it run, it's a shortcut. It doesn't take any pressure at all. I can just dump it in this end and it'll flow right down to him. It's just like the way an addiction is. The, 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 the chemicals in your brain are meant to go a certain way, but you can build another bridge in there to say, take a shortcut. I need this certain something to get happiness, and here's this little bridge building over here. Here's a little bridge called social media. Here's a little bridge called drugs. Here's a little bridge called alcohol. Here's a little bridge called smoking. Here's a little bridge called lust. Yeah, those are just little workers up there in the mind. That's where the greatest battle is. What are they doing? They're building bridges saying, you don't got to go through all those filters. You just take a shortcut through this one. It's got great big mesh on it. Anything will pass through it. It's easy. But we need to get back on our knees and say, Lord, I've gone through some battles. But Lord, you can make me anew. Take my mind that's been so developed in a certain way and mold it to your image. If we go a little farther, find Amram up there praying on the roof. He just gets so tired. He just prays till he just falls on the floor. Oh my. That's real desperation right there. When you're so desperate, you just pray to you. I'm not talking about you get on your knees at 11.55 and you fall asleep by midnight. I'm talking about you're so desperate that he's probably pacing back and forth on the rooftop crying out to God, oh Lord, what can we do to finally his words become, I can't have you. tired, Lord. He breaks beyond the veil. I'm not trying to put it outside of reach for you to say, how, how am I ever going to attain to that, Brother Andrew? Do I got to go and spend all night in prayer? You might never have to do that, but I'm saying you got to get to a place where everything else becomes secondary. And he just took a little nap and he woke up. What's the matter? And look around here. Where's that light come from? See, when he got to that place, Brother Benham begins to talk about it and say, when he got to that place, he fell down there, and God would come give him a dream. And he looked up, and he began to look around, and he said, there stood an angel, his sword hanging there by his side. He looked again. He stopped, and he rubbed his eyes. He got down and pulled up on his knees, and he said, oh, Lord, what do you want from me? He said, Amram. I'm the angel of God. I've been sent from heaven to tell you God heard your prayer. I've come to tell you that he's going to send a deliverer. He remembers all his promises. Oh, my. Just point. He just takes that sword. He points it over to the north. 
Because that's where the promised land was. God's got a deliverer. And we're taking you to the sides of the north. You know what else was on the north? The eagle. <laughs> the way they laid out the camp in the wilderness, there was an anointing that was on the north. It's the anointing that's in our day today. He was pointing up north and saying, listen, there's a deliverer. What did we receive today? What was the message of the hour that we received? It wasn't just nice flattery words. It was the angel of God that came and gave a message that pointed to the north. It said, there's an eagle anointing that I'm going to give you to rise above all of the problems. Oh my, it's going to help you to overcome every trouble, everything. I'm not going to tell you it's not a fight. It'll be a fight every inch of the way. Every step that you take, you're going to have to fight to possess it. But I'm going to tell you, you will have the power. Because I'll be with you even in you to the end of the world. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. He said, I've heard the groaning of my people. I've heard the crying of the children, and I'm come down, and I want you to know that you're going to play a part in this Amram because you were faithful in prayer. You were faithful in your house, and about this time next year, Joshua, your lovely little wife, is going to embrace a little boy, and that little boy is going to be the deliverer. Hallelujah. What was it? Someone got faithful. Someone became faithful and they weren't willing to just let something pass by and something else pass by. They say, what God told me to do, I'm going to do because he's going to perform his word. Amram wasn't looking to some future tense. He wasn't looking at the word of God saying, maybe there'll come a word in the future. No, he was looking back and he said, God, you told Abraham that I will deliver them with a mighty hand. And God, you will never forget your word. You always keep your promises. Oh, my, we're not looking for a future message and something off in the future that's going to deliver us. We've already heard the word, and now it just takes a faithful young people to stand on that word. Oh, my, and watch God come and perform it just exactly. Hallelujah. Hey, what are you talking about? I got a vision that's ready to be fulfilled. Not my vision, Brother Brandon's vision. It's called America and Ashes. God, how are you going to perform that? I don't have a clue. It might be atomic powers. For all I know, they might tear themselves apart. It might be something come from up, up in the earth. It might be a comet come from heaven. How does it matter to me? And Amram finally got to that place. Maybe at the beginning he was praying, Lord, brother and sister, so-and-so, they're such a nice family. Maybe you'd give them a deliverer because they know how to raise them right. Raise up brother so-and-so. Raise up sister so-and-so. They're such godly people. I like them. But God was waiting till he got to the place where he said, Lord, whatever it takes. And God said, that's what I'm waiting for because that's my faithful son right there. He's the one that I called for this purpose. Amram, you're going to have a purpose in all of this. Hallelujah. Now I see it all, it all ties together. Praise the Lord. Amram, you're going to have a purpose. He was called for a purpose because it was from him and Joshua that God was going to raise up Moses. God wasn't looking for somebody else. He was looking for two particular people. 
Praise the Lord. He was looking for two particular people that he had a purpose in their life, and that was going to perform it. So you might be looking and say, Brother, Brother Andrew, I don't know what God has for me. I'm just a nobody from nowhere. God has a purpose for you. Your job is to stay faithful. Oh, my. Amram, come on down at that point and say, oh, yes. Yes, oh, yes. He was so beautiful. He looked, and the angel began to lift up. God just seemed, seemed like the whole heavens opened up, and he went out of the room. He waited a little bit and said, oh, am I not, am I not beside myself? It gets that way sometimes when you really get in the presence of God. It seems like you're beside yourself. But Amram got to that point, and he said, am I? Then he no. He realized he wasn't beside himself down the stairs. He went real quick. Joshabed, Joshabed, right quick. Hallelujah. She came up, what's the matter, dear? <laughs> no matter. <laughs> Nothing wrong. Isn't that what we always get when somebody's excited? What's wrong? Nothing. I'm just happy. He said, sit up. The moonlight shining in the window. She looked beautiful. He said, oh, I've just seen an angel of the Lord. He told me all these things. How did he look? She said, oh, how did he look? Oh, my. He said, oh, he was beautiful. He had on a shining robe. His eyes sparkled. He had a sword in his hand. He pointed to the north. Oh, that's the way. You know the promised land. He pointed to the north. And he said that we're going to have a baby about this time next year. A little boy who's going to come forth to be a conqueror. Going to deliver his people. Hallelujah, Joshua Ben. And her face turns white. Why? Because there was an order from the king. If you got a baby boy, we're going to kill it. And here her husband's lost his mind. <laughs> Put yourself in the shoes for a minute. Here comes Joshua. He's just had a revival. I don't know about you, but I've had this experience. Where you've just had a revival and you go out to someone, they look at you like, what is your problem? You're crazy. Don't you know the age we live in? You can't talk like that. I've gone to work and I've phoned my boss and I've said, hey, God is so good. We got drunk last night. And he's like, no, you didn't. I said, oh, yes, but on the new wine. I'm sure he still thinks I'm crazy, but he still employs me, so it's good. He noticed her face got all white. Her eyes start to stare, and they get all big. Joshua, what's the matter? So, Amram, no, no, no. We can't have a baby boy. <laughs> Ain't that just the way it is? You get all in the presence of God. You come, praise God. I'm going in a rapture. I'm going in a rapture. If anybody asks you where I'm going, where I'm going, way off key, someday soon. I'm going up yonder. And they look at you and go, no, I'm not ready. But I'm going in the rapture, but I'm not ready. They get ready. Because no one knows the hour of the day. No one knows when he's coming. Yeah, I don't know. You don't know. But I know I'm going when he comes. Hallelujah. When he calls, my name's going to.
to be called, even if it's the last name. <laughs> Hallelujah. Even if it's the very last name that's ever called, I'll still have faith stand there and say, I'm next. Okay, I'm after that guy. Okay, after that guy. Okay, I know my name's going to be here someday. I'm the only one left standing. Andrew Dodd, praise God. I don't care if it's the last one that's called. I'll be there. I hope you got the same revelation that you're saying. I don't care if it's the last one. I don't care if I'm the last person to make it. If I'm the last one to receive the Holy Ghost, I'm going to be there. Oh, my. Oh, it just can't be. She says, you know what? Oh, my. If you had this, if you'd never had this vision, you know what? Pharaoh, he's killing all those baby boys. Oh, my. Pretty soon she starts doubting the vision. Doesn't that sound familiar? I think there's a whole website about it somewhere or something. About doubting the vision. We don't really believe the vision. We don't really believe this. We don't really believe that. If you just not had that, I'm not so sure I like that. Yeah, of course they don't like the cloud because Jesus in a white robe as the judge. Anybody in sin is not going to like that. But to the righteous, that's the most beautiful face you ever saw. If God gives us this baby, he says, you know what? If God gives us this baby, here comes the real faith and the promise. God will take care of the baby. God promised it. God will take care of it. Finally, we're picking up our story. Where are we at for time? Is everybody okay? I've hit an hour. We still okay? Okay. We got the bride here. We're going into the after hour. That's from Brother Aaron McGarry, but it originally comes from the message. Moses, we pick up the story in, in Exodus chapter 2. Brother Ethan, if you would put the next verse up there. Once you can no longer hide him, she took him in, in an ark of bulrushes and daubed it with slime, slime and with pitch. You pass that one by the Alberta Health Services now. What you going to do with your baby? I'm going to put him in a basket full of tar and slime. <laughs> well, we got child safe paint. No, God said tar and slime. That's all I got. <laughs> Sometimes it ain't the prettiest thing in the world. They put him in that thing. Oh, my. And they, they was born a proper child. I'm sure there was times when them witches came knocking on the door. Because if anybody's been around a baby before, babies are perfect and they never cry. Nope. They cry a lot, and sometimes it seems like for no reason. <laughs> but they got a reason. Sometimes it's just the parent that can't figure out, what's going on here? You'll get there eventually, don't worry. The Lord tires. But this baby, he's a baby, so he'd cry. See, he was born a goodly child. He's a deliverer. He should have been perfect. Yeah, that's what the Pharisees thought about Jesus. Jesus would just come down all perfect, and here he comes in a manger going, wah, wah. slobbering and throwing up all over himself. That's what babies do. And here's Moses, the deliverer, slobbering, throwing up all over himself, crying, and here comes the knocking on the door. We know you got a baby in there. Here's my badge. I'm the police lady. Hammering so man. We know you got in the baby in there for us. He says, no, we don't. But the ram says, they were right. They didn't have a baby for them. 
Amen. The devil wants to try and trick you and say, we know you got something for us. No, we ain't got nothing for you. Get back under my feet, Haman. We ain't got nothing for you around here. This is sheep food, eagle food. But finally those witches come in and they would hide him. And he, Brother Branham says, my Amram had just made a little hiding place where they wouldn't find him in the wall. And he put him in there. And somehow, I say it's the grace of God, that baby wouldn't cry when it was in there. Hallelujah. Because those witches would come in and they'd search the house high and low. And they could, we're going to come back one day and we're going to find that. Isn't that just like a young Christian? You say, are you a Christian? Yeah. Well, if you're a Christian, you should really be this way. Well, I don't know. You're just young in the Lord. It's okay. I was that way once too. Someone come and say, don't you know? Oh, my. I remember when I started plumbing. First day on the job, journeyman says, we're going for lunch. And we're taking your car. And I'm just, I'm 16 years old. And I'm like, okay, we're taking my car. So we get in my little Sunfire, me and two great big Fat journeyman plumbers. They were. And he picks up my iPod, starts scrolling through it. It's all Donnie Ragan, Harry Ragan. <laughs> That's all I had on there. And, uh, and he's scrolling through there, and he's like, what's up with this? I thought Christians were all about other people. This is I, this, and I, that. Lord, help me, and me, and I. And I'm like, man, where is this guy coming from? I was just young in the Lord at the time. I'm like, Sorry, man, like, I'm sure happy the Lord cares about me, but and I'll care about you. That was the best I could do. I mean, now I sure have a different response for him. <laughs> but at the time, that was the best I could do. See, that's the way it was, where they just, uh, no, we don't got a baby in here. No. They were just waiting. They, that's all they had was just a baby. Their experience was just a baby. You might be in that shoes tonight where you say, my experience, Brother Andrew, I'm just a baby. That's okay. God will hide you in the rock of ages until you can stand for him. Because he cares and understands. He knows what it's like. He was a baby once too. He grew up. He fell down. He scratched his knee. He'd come in and he finally he'd learn how to talk. <laughs> Imagine that. The word that spoke. So let there be light. And there was light. Coming back to a baby. God, it sounds foolish to men. But to God, he says, I want to know every, all about it. Because I want to care. I want to understand. When my young people in, in Edmonton are just a babe in Christ, and they're just trying to learn the word. They're just trying to start out. They're just trying to get their feet. They're just trying to put one foot in front of the other. I want to be able to look at them and say, I know exactly what you're going through. I'm with you. Finally, they got down there. And Amram goes to bed that night again, and Gabriel comes to him again and says, make a little, make a little boat, make a little ark. So finally, the next morning, he wakes up. Oh, he's happy. Josh Bed once again is going, what's, what's going on again, Amram? What's going on again? You're happy again. Last time you were happy, we got us into this mess. <laughs> now you're happy again. What's going to happen this time? He says, oh, just watch. He goes on downstairs, and he starts singing. Give me that 
old time religion gave me that. And he's putting this basket weaving into this basket weaving into this one over here. Old time religion gave me that. We got to sing a little more of that song, I think. Old time religion and it's good enough for me. So this needs a lid. Got to seal it with the Holy Ghost. And he's putting all the pitch in there. He's putting all the slime in there. And here comes Joshua bed down finally. He's, what are you working on? And what are you so happy about all this singing going on? I've never seen you this happy. You come home with the same amount of scars on your back. You come home just as tired looking. But there's something in your eye. And you go downstairs. You just start singing and having a jubilee. She says, oh, honey. I learned last time not to tell you right away what the vision was. <laughs> so I just thought I'd show you what it is. It's a little basket. It's a little ark. It's got one little hole in it right in the top so he can breathe just like the ark that Noah had. One little hole right in the top so he can look up to heaven and see the angels that were watching over you. Oh, my. And he got this little thing together, and he put it all there, and he, they took it down, and they put, they, they put little, little Moses in the ark. And I imagine little Joshua, bed, she starts to cry and say, oh, I can't put... You can't take my baby, put him in the lake. That's what we're trying to hide him from. The witches want to put him in the river, and now you want to put him in the river? Come on. It doesn't make sense. Reason with me a little bit. No, oh, no, I got a vision. There's no reasoning now. I'm just doing what the Lord told me to do. So go ahead. Don't worry, honey. God's protected us this far. He'll protect the baby now. And they took the baby down there and they laid it in there. And Brother Brandon would say he passed it around. Little Joshua gave it a kiss. Little Miriam gave him a kiss. Little Aaron gave him a kiss. And they said, well, we better do that again. Little Joshua gave him a kiss. That's a little baby. It's cute. You know, it's three months old and they don't want to let it go. You know, it's, it's just starting to goo and God and have a good time. And they finally say, take it and they put, put it in the river. And Bible records they went down by where the flags were in the river. I have no idea where that was, but that's what it says. And they went down there and they put it there in the, in the flags, which maybe that's the reeds. And they got down there and they put it in there. Well, Brother Brown stops. He says, but what was going on in heaven right at this moment? They might have just had a baby experience. Just three months in their Christian walk. They might have just got a hold of God. But there's God up there in heaven says, Gabriel, come here. Come here, Gabriel. He says, yeah, Lord, what's going on? What's going on? He says, look down there. I got a faithful servant. He's doing exactly. You remember you talked to him the other night? Yeah, yeah, I remember him. Yeah, yeah, that's Amram, right? Yeah, yeah, Amram. He's doing exactly what I told him to do. He's faithful. He says, you know what we're going to do, Gabriel? We're going to back him up. Hallelujah. He says, go call 10,000 angels. Line the river up and down. Make sure that not even a piece of wood comes near, let alone a crocodile. You keep that basket safe. Oh, praise God. And Gabriel says, what about, what about you, Lord? Where are you going to be? He says, I'll be down at the receiving end. I got a princess to go work on. <laughs> Hallelujah. He realized, I got a princess to go and work on. So he, he, Gabriel goes down there. And Gabriel's standing on the basket. He's watching over that little baby. A crocodile come up. He just giving a good swift... Miriam's there waiting on the shore. I'm just going to speed it up a little bit for you because we're out of time. But Miriam's there waiting on the shore. She's watching. Oh, oh, there's a crocodile coming. All of a sudden, the crocodile turn away. There's a whirlpool up there. All of a sudden, it just starts going the other way. She's going, oh, my, this is wonderful. 
All of a sudden, she comes up to this big, beautiful wall, and it comes right down into the river. And she goes, oh, I can't get in there. What am I going to do? The basket's floating by. Finally, she says, I know exactly what I'm going to do. I'm going to cross this little red line. I'm going to go down in the river. I'm going to get past there. She comes up. It's the most beautiful garden she's ever seen. It's like paradise. She realizes I'm in the palace. I better hide real quick. She'd come to a place in her walk with the Lord where she, something, she got a blessing right there. <laughs> so many types in there. My goodness, how, how long y'all got? I think I say that every youth service I preach. But finally she come down there into that and then, and then she start to see there's somebody coming. Oh no. So she hides real quick and that person, it's, it's, it's a... It's the princess coming down, and she's coming down with all her maidens, and she's got some big old tough guys there that are down there to protect her from the crocodiles, and they're going to keep her safe. That's the best the world has. you got all the celebrity of the world. What do they all got? Big, tough bodyguards. We're going to protect this person from everything. Yeah, well, which one of them stopped COVID? <laughs> Not one. They got down there. She said, what's that thing over there in the raids? And is that a crocodile? I'm going to go, oh, I got this. He heads down there and he looks at it. This is kind of strange. And he's got a little hole in the top. It's tarry and stinky and slimy. He's like, well, the princess wants it. So he picks it up, takes it over there. She opens the top. It's a little baby. Something just gushes over her heart. This is the daughter of the Pharaoh that said, kill everyone. And she began to look at it, realize it's a little Hebrew baby. She says, oh, this mother, she got ahead of my daddy because my daddy, he said to kill all these ones. He's so cruel and so mean. It's a little bit like, Sister Leanne, you forgive me if you're listening in. I just stopped by the outside here on the way in. Sister Leanne was out there. and She was looking up at the tree, and I stopped and said, how are you doing, sister? And she was good. And she says, I'm just watching this baby squirrel. The magpies are trying to get it. Three or four magpies trying to get this little baby squirrels trying to run around the tree. She says, it just it gets me when they're trying to do that. I, I don't like that. She didn't know what I was going to preach on. I said, you're a good mother. That's exactly this little, this little princess says, I don't like this. I don't like that my father's trying to do all this harm. I'll take this one. It won't be a little Hebrew baby anymore. It'll be my baby. God pulled one right over on the devil. He said, I'm going to make sure there's no deliverer. I'm going to make sure there's nobody. God said, uh-uh, you're actually going to raise the deliverer. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Hallelujah. And she says, but I'm not a wet nurse. i got to get me a wet nurse. And here comes little Miriam because the angels nudges her and says, hey, now's your time. This is your opening. Sometimes you got to wait for those little nudges sometimes. Not get all in our own selves and get all blah, 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 blah. Or stay back and go, I don't know. But no, she waited till she felt led. And it was the right time. Where she jumped up there and said, oh, I, I know a nurse, that would be just great for that baby. Oh, that's wonderful. Go fetch her real quick. And she runs down there and fetches her. So, but wait, first you're going to need a, a password. Brother Ben, I'm going to tell the story. You're going to need a password. And he says, it's, a, it's a, a pitchfork and a bale of hay or a pitchfork and a cart full of hay or something like that. And he comes up, she comes up with, she goes and runs and gets her mom. And she comes back and the guard at the gate of the palace says, whose goes there? She says, a pitchfork and a cart full of hay. Come on in. Gets up to the next gate and says, who goes there? A pitchfork and a cart full of hay. Oh, wonderful. Come on in. They don't realize who they're letting in. <laughs> it's the mother of the deliverer. 
And they let him right in. She says, are you the wet nurse that I, that I called? Yes, I'm the one. I'm just the nurse. Oh, perfect. You're going to live right here in the palace. You're going to raise my son. I'm going to pay you $300 a week. A matter of fact, all that money that Amram's missed out on since we made him a slave, we're just going to pay you now. Don't you love the way God turns things around? We're going to give you all the money we just took away from you. We're going to give you the best seat. We're, you're not even going to have to make supper anymore. We're going to feed you. And you're going to raise the one that's going to deliver you out of this place. Yeah. Yeah. Hallelujah. Why? Because someone was faithful. Someone cared about what God had to say. Amen. And it wasn't that Moses had a choice. Moses was called for a purpose. He had to go, and as much as he tried to fulfill that purpose, he failed. We find if you go down to about verse 14, or verse 12, I think it is, where he kills the Egyptian. Because he raises up, he'd raised up for a certain amount of years underneath his mom, and his mom had told him, you're the deliverer, you're the deliverer, you're the one, you're a proper child, you're the one. She just, she just kept feeding him with the words of Abraham. She just kept feeding him with the words of Isaac, with the words of Jacob. She just kept feeding him with the words of Joseph. She just kept giving him every message thing she could possibly give him. And just kept giving him, feeding him, and raising him up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord to the best of her ability. So he raises up in the best of her ability. She finally got to a place he got self-righteous in himself. Said, I'm ready at 40 years old. I got this. And kills a man. That's where head knowledge gets people. But it took something more. Because God called them for a purpose. God said, I, God, will deliver them. Not, I will send Moses to deliver them. No, I, God will deliver them, and I'm sending you. But I'm still the one doing the delivering. <laughs> Hallelujah. It's just exactly that way today. So I'm somebody, I'm a Christian, I'm going to overcome. I'm going to overcome this. God sent me down here into this age. He called me to this age for a purpose to overcome. I'm going to do this. No, you're not. It takes a meek, humble spirit to humble yourself and be faithful. And we know how it took Moses 40 years in the, out in the backside of the desert to unlearn everything he learned in the courts of Pharaoh. Really, had what he had to undo is undo enough to finally get back to realize, oh, my mother wasn't talking about learn all you can. She was saying, God will deliver. To one day he found a burning bush. Now his experience was about to start. At 80 years old, God was finally going to allow him to accomplish his purpose and deliver the children of Israel out of Egypt because a man was faithful. Psalms 31, as we're closing, if we stand to our feet, the musicians come. Psalms 31, verse 23 says, Oh, love the Lord, all ye saints, for the Lord preserveth the faithful and plentiful rewardeth the proud doer. <laughs> Be of good courage, and he shall strengthen your heart, all ye that hope in the Lord. Psalms 92, verse 1 to 4 says, It is a good thing to give thanks unto the Lord, to sing praise unto thy name, O Most High, to show forth thy loving kindness in the morning, thy faithfulness every night upon an instrument of ten strings, and upon a psaltery, and upon a harp of a solemn sound. And thou, Lord, thou hast made me glad through thy work. I will triumph in, thy wor in the works of thy hand. 
Notice what David is writing. He's saying, I rejoice in your faithfulness because my faithfulness has to be his faithfulness. That I'm not just trying to do it on my own works, but rather I'm getting on my knees before God and crying out before God and allowing him to work through me. Amen. And reminding him of his word. That was when Amram broke through, when he began to remind God of his word. That's what we need to keep doing today. We need to keep reminding God of his word. If the only word you could think of is God, you said many are the afflictions of the righteous, but you said that you, Lord, delivereth them out of them all. So, Lord, if I just got to keep repeating that back to you, that ain't vain repetitions. Because his word is not vain. That's the word of God, to take that word and just say, Lord, I'm just going to keep holding on to this. If it's all I've got, I'm going to just keep holding on to this. It says in verse, Psalms 143, verse 1, he says, Hear my prayer, O Lord. Give ear to my supplication. In thy faithfulness, answer me. And in thy righteousness. That's exactly how Amram began to pray. Hear me, O God. I'm talking to you. Can we get to that place as young people this summer to say, I know there's going to be some storms this summer. I know that the devil might have some witches to throw at me. That he might have some witches for you, young man, to try and get you to fall in some deceit of lust, some woman to get some slicker out there, to get you to fall in some kind of a thing, to get some fashion. He's got something coming for you. So I'm going to ask you, are you ready to be faithful in the storms? Because Satan loves a hurricane. Oh, yeah, he loves whooping up a storm. Getting it going and getting it going and getting it going. And it just looks terrible. But he forgot the believer knows how to stay in the eye of the storm. A faithful believer. It might look all terrible all the way around you. But don't worry about what's going on around you. Stay faithful. Stay true. Proverbs chapter 20, verse 6 says, Most men will proclaim everyone his own goodness, but a faithful man who can find. Acts chapter 6 and verse 5 talks of another one. It says, And the saying pleased the whole multitude, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Ghost. See, how's that tie in, Brother Andrew? That's the actual meaning of faithful. This, full of faith. Here was a man that they recognized. He was faithful. He was full of faith and full of the Holy Ghost. And what happened with Stephen? He was so faithful to God that even when under the threat of stoning, he said, I've got a duty. I've got a calling. I've been chosen for a purpose. I've been chosen to be a deacon. I need to go about my duties. I need to get up and exhort the people. I need to speak it the way it is. And when they brought him before the council, he had a duty to do before God, which he said, I'm going to perform it because I'm a faithful individual. Hallelujah. He wasn't willing to all of a sudden back down and say, well, maybe, yeah, you're right. <laughs> I should take the lower road. No, he said, no, I'm faithful to the Lord. I'm going to stand on this word that God called me to stand on. I'm going to stand on exactly what Jesus said. He preached a sermon that they said, take him out and stone him. And he was so faithful. What happened? He said, I saw the heavens open. I see Jesus set it on the right hand of God. Oh, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. 
Forgive them, Lord. Lay not this sin to their charge. That's what he began to cry. Lay not this sin to their charge. As he began to cry that out, what was going on? God was rewarding a faithful servant. This flesh is not all that important. Ron Spencer would talk about it. It's worth about 80-something cents. And yet we don it with, I don't even know how much money I'm wearing right now. These glasses are 200 bucks on their own. My goodness. Ridiculous. All that for a less than a dollar worth of flesh. It's not worth all that much, but there's something inside. That God says is worth 10,000 worlds. He's asking you tonight, will you be faithful to the end? Hallelujah. Brother Tony, if you come, do we know that song? I will be faithful to the end. He will provide time and time again. He will be faithful, so faithful to the end. Lord, cover me with thy faithfulness. Amen. To the end, he will provide time and time again. He will be faithful, so faithful to
I can measure. Oh, that's true. Mercy, I don't deserve. There's forgiveness that's endless for me. To know how deeply I'm loved And I'm always reminded That He will be all I need All I need He will be faithful to verse again. There's grace. I can't measure it. There is grace I can measure. Mercy I sure don't deserve. Mercy I don't deserve. Oh, there's forgiveness that's endless for me. Thank you, Lord. Oh, thank you, Lord. To know how deeply I'm loved And I'm always reminded That He will be all I need All I need He will be faithful to Be fair. 